welcome to the After the Moon Honeymoon Podcast. After the Honeymoon Podcast. After the Honeymoon Podcast. Marriage Podcast. A Marriage Podcast. After the Honeymoon Marriage Podcast. After the Honeymoon Marriage Podcast. Mm-hmm. I have to always remind myself about that. After the Honeymoon Marriage Podcast. Right. All right. So today we're going to have a very interesting topic. And I had to get some notes because I want us to stay on task. You know me. <laughs> on task. Let's not wander around. Let's be focused and direct. And our fun topic for day, today is money. Moolah. Money. Dinero. Yeah. This one. Dollar bills, y'all. This one jams a lot of people up. So we're going to see if we can do right by this one and and just have a frank conversation. Yeah. Yeah. About about money. Right. So data and evidence say that the number one cause of failures of failure in a marriage is finances. Mm-hmm. Money. Why does that have to be? Oh, why that, should that be? A that's failure? a broad question. Is that like shooting at uh, shooting at a deer with a BB gun? Um. Yeah. Well, how do you say it? How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Yeah. So I think this uh, this elephant we'd have to tackle one bite at a time. Uh, but it's a pretty big. It's, it's big. Huge. It's big because if it's the number one failure. It's the number one point of failure. point of failure. So that means this is a huge, huge issue mm-hmm. from different angles, from different um, right. perspe- per, uh, per- perspectives. That word. Yeah, that word. <laughs> <laughs> so, according to what I have here, mm-hmm. um, let's start with financial incompatibility. Okay. Maybe we can start with that first because I think there's a lot of things that can um, result or can contribute to this. Mm -hmm. But let's first talk about financial incompatibility. Okay. So what they say here, it says, um, after doing some deep dive, um, it says that it can have a significant impact on a marriage as it can create stress and conflicts between partners. When couples have different views and attitudes towards money, it can lead to disagreements on spending, saving, and budgeting. Why should that be? Well, money is like religion and politics. When you get people that have differing points of view, it Mm -hmm. almost always winds up as an argument. So they tell you, I guess, at dinner parties, the three topics to avoid are money, religion, and politics. Yes. So because people tend to have very strong positions on on money, it can lead to some some challenges if that stuff is not worked out early on. So I would go so far as to say is that should be one of your vetting criteria during the dating process. How does this person handle money? You know, in addition to all of the other things that you'd be looking at, money should be at the top of that list. 
Yeah, because if it's the number one cause of uh, marriage failures, so then it's the number one thing that you should be discussing. Mm-hmm. I mean, just have frank discussions. Hey, how do you do this? How do you do that? Well, if, that was one of the things that we, that I was looking for in a partner. I used some of the same criteria that I would use, like if I was looking for a business partner. How do you handle difficulty? How do you handle money? You know, when when things go sideways, do you run and hide or do you say, all right, we, we need to work through this thing? Otherwise, the business fails. So I'm looking I was looking for some of the same traits that I would look for in a business partner. Are you true to your word? Do you follow through on what you say? So if we're going through that whole process and we're trying to figure out, you know, is this person going to be the right person for us? All of that should be a part of the vetting process. That needs to be on the table, right? Absolutely. You're going to be spending the rest of your life with this person. So if money is a, is a problem now, it's, it's going, going, to, going be to be a problem. A much after bigger I do. problem later. So let's just go for it. The way we handled money. So for me, I learned how to handle money from watching what my parents did. Okay. Okay. So my parents had, if I remember correctly, I always heard them talk about three accounts, Mm -hmm. a household account, Mm -hmm. and each of them had their own account. They both insisted on a 60-40 split, not a 50-50 split. And the reason why they wanted a 60-40 is that... that So when you say 60-40, what do you mean? So each of, both parents worked, Okay, so from their salary that went into the general household account that took care of all the bills, took care of us as kids, whether we were in private school or we went to um, public school or anything that had to do with the household, it was a 60%. So 60% of their checks, of their salary, went of each salary went into the household account. So it wasn't a specific dollar amount. It was a percentage. It was a percentage. Okay. Yeah. It was a percent, a percentage. And my dad kind of figured it out based on everything that needed to be paid in the house and figured that with what my mom made, with what he made, if it was a 50-50, it would not cover everything. Mm-hmm. So he decided that a 60-40 would be a better number leaving them both with about 40% of their check that they could deal with, do with, with as they wish. Um, so that was my f- earliest recollection of how bills, uh, how finances operated in a family. Interestingly enough, I never saw that. My parents never shared that part of their marriage with us, or at least with me. So, I never, I had no idea how they handled their finances. So that was something I learned on the way. You know, once you move out, you learn pretty quickly where your money needs to go. (laughs) I remember early on going out and shopping. And this is back when, back when Reeboks and, and overalls were the trend. Yeah, I bought a pair of Reeboks and guess coveralls. Yeah, guess yeah. over. You don't understand. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't. You don't you understand. Um, 
only to realize, wow, I'm short. And then have to have the experience of going back to the store to return all the stuff I bought because I had bills to pay. Right. So it's like, okay, no, can't do that. So you learn, you know, on your own, but that wasn't something that I learned at home. So I would say as parents, it's important to, if you have children, to educate your kids, not just educate them, open your bank book. We, we early on showed our kids what our checkbooks looked like. Yeah. This is what comes in. This is what goes out. You need to have an understanding of why things are the way they are so that if there's a, a, an instance where there's something we can't do, you understand why. Correct. What that did for us was our kids were never gimme, gimme, gimme kind of kids. No. Because they understood how money worked early on. In the game, yeah. Early on. Mm-hmm. And we let them understand this is life. This is what it looks like. Yeah. There are times when you're flush. There are times when you're thin. Mm-hmm. But you still have to make things work. Right. So- that as an aside, I would say, yeah, we need to let people, you know, as parents, as parents, we yes. need to let our kids in on that discussion uh-huh. earlier than later. Correct. Yeah. See, that's amazingly my my parents never like sat us down and said, OK, this is what it mm-hmm. looks like. But what I remember is that things were taken care of mm-hmm. and if we didn't, just as you said, if we didn't have it to do certain things, mm-hmm. then it just wasn't there mm-hmm. because they had this 60-40 rule. Now, there were times when um, when my sisters were going to college, it I think the percentage became greater because they went to private school. So it needed to be a little bit, little bit more. But they... Agreed on the adjustment. They agreed on the adjustment. Yes. So even though the rule was put in place, they recognized that the rule needed to be flexible right. so that they could adjust as life changed. As life changed. Yes. Okay. That That's what I remember now. Um, and when I speak to my, si- my siblings, they mm. said, yeah, this is kind of how they did it. And we all kind of have that. Um, way of managing our money mm-hmm. you know we all have a separate a separate account and then um majority of our money goes toward the house but we keep a little bit so that we're not dipping into the household finances i don't remember us starting that way i think i remember us starting with joint accounts we eat we just had a joint account both all of our money went into one account mm-hmm. and then as we started to you know work through that it started to become clear that, you know what, we don't always want to be pulling from the household right, because, account. Right. You want to make sure that the only thing that comes out of that account are the things that you scheduled to come out of there so that, you know, if your personal account is empty, you're done until your next Correct. check. Correct. Correct. And so that helped you control exactly what went where. Exactly. And then as we progressed along we realized that it was kind of important to have that personal account so Mm -hmm. that you know if you needed something if you wanted lunch if you wanted this if you wanted some kind of something you wanted to go out and get for yourself you could just go ahead and get it Mm -hmm. without having to dip into the household account knowing that things are scheduled to come out and then i decide okay i'm going to go and do that well it's going to jack jack up Mm -hmm. what is already there Mm -hmm. and the 
um, harmoniousness of that account, mm-hmm. the stability of that account. Mm-hmm. So that's what I remember from my seeing my parents. Okay. I think the other benefit is also if there's something that, let's say, you wanted to purchase and it was a high ticket item, high value ticket item, as long as that's coming out of your money, it doesn't matter what you spend your money on. Right. Because the house is cared for. Right. Everybody's contributed their portion. Right. And so, whatever you, if you were into Louis Vuitton or Gucci or whatever, you know, that's never been your thing. But if you were and you wanted to go do that with your money, I don't care what you do with your money. That's your money. Correct. Because we know that the household is covered. Correct. And if I decide to save my money. Right. That's your money. To go and purchase this right. item. Right. It's not going to, you can't have your household, let's say your household um, expenditures are $5,000. Let's mm-hmm. just round it up there. Mm-hmm. Well, if you need a Louis Vuitton bag, you can't go and take $2,700 out of the Mm $5,000 that your household needs to maintain to get yourself a purse that's not worth it. Right. But I I think that goes back to what we were just talking about, about uh, financial incompatibility. Right. Not having those priorities, putting self and what you want above the needs of the home. Correct. And that that goes back to the original point, right? Right. The original sin, selfishness. Selfishness. And the story. So some ways that they say financial incompatibility can affect marriage, it can include money arguments. Mm-hmm. So financial incompatibility can lead to arguments and conflicts over spending habits, budgeting, and financial goals. These arguments can be frequent, intense, and damaging. Number one is that is based on what we know, how did we have any knockdown drag outs? That you can think of. Oh, I wouldn't say knockdown dragouts, but there was frequent repositioning required. Okay, so let's talk about one of those repositioning. Okay, one of those instances was when I learned that there was that there were unspoken spending limits. Okay, so back in the day, I was a big car audio buff. I remember going to a car audio fair. And I bought some gear. I think I bought an amplifier and some speakers or whatever. And I came home with them. And of course, your first question was, how much does that cost? And my, my balloon was deflated rather quickly because then it's like, oh, because I was caught up in the moment while I was buying. While you had other things on your mind, and so when I come home with this stuff, it's like, uh, yeah, no, you're out of pocket on this one. Anything over this amount? No, we need to discuss that. And of course, we made much less then. So that threshold was much lower. Much, much, much lower, yes. And so it was like, okay, note to self, don't be stupid with your money. Don't be stupid with how you spend. Even when it's something that I think is not don't be frivolous particularly when it's something specifically for me if it were a purchase that was for the house i doubt you would have had as big an issue but it was something that was specifically it was specifically something that i wanted right and so i'm learning 
like I said, as I go, this is stuff that I learned on the way. And I'm like, okay, no, that's not, that's not the way to do it. I need to make sure, remind myself. Yeah, I think everything is covered, but I need to vet that with you because there may be things that are on your radar that are not on my radar. Right. I say, Hey babe, this is, I'm thinking about making this purchase. Is there anything else we need to be aware of? And this was during that time when we were only had the, the one joint account. Right. We didn't have separate accounts right. yet. So Correct. that was one of those instances that helped us, you know, come up with a different plan. Correct. So where it's like, if you do want to go something, do something fine, do it with your money, but not with house money. That's and that's where what I learned from that is that everybody has the right to be able to indulge mm-hmm. depending on uh, the circumstances and the stability of your home. Mm-hmm. So that's when I brought up to, you know what, we need a household account mm-hmm. and then each of us need to be able to have our own account mm-hmm. so that whatever is there, if you decided you had enough in your personal account, you know what? Oh, I have enough. I'm going to go buy this audio. Oh, honey, I bought this. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got this out of my account. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I bought this personally. Mm-hmm. As long as it's out of, as you said, as long as it's right. out of your account. And and those purchases don't even require. Vetting. Vetting. No. Because everybody has access to the joint account and can see what goes in and what comes exactly. out. So as long as the household account is in the position it should be. What you do with your money, money is your is business. Your right. And that av- helped us to avoid a lot of those um, instances where I think the account or the finances are one way and you think the account or our bills are another way. And we miss each other because one of us is spending when we shouldn't have been spending because right. there was something else, you know, on our radar, on the other person's radar that right. we had not discussed. And again, that brings up communication because. In order for us to make sure that all of this stuff is done, if I come across something, I need to make you aware of it. So, for instance, your thing is you have to grocery shop. There there must be no spaces in the pantry. There must be there there must be no spaces in the refrigerator. When you walk in, you have to take stuff out to find stuff that it's got to be full. I got that from my parents, too. And so if there if I have a bill in my head. And I'm like, okay, this is a priority. We need to take care of that. You know, back in the day, you'd be like, they can wait. We got to eat. I'm like, yeah, I understand. But if there's no electricity, you can't cook this food anyway. <laughs> so we got to kind of prioritize. Yes. yes. So it's important for a key component of this whole money thing is just everybody talking about what their expectations are. Mm-hmm. And in the moment, what takes precedence? Where does the money go first? Where does the money go second? You know, if you happen to be in a tight spot, who has to wait till next month? All of that needs to be worked out between you so that if there is stress, you guys are equally stressed. Right. One person is not carrying more of the burden of stress than the other person is because it was a group effort. It's a group effort. Exactly. Now, we we have friends that don't particularly do the joint account and each other's account, I believe. But, no, but but they what they've done is that they've divided 
the household bills down the middle or based on who makes what or how much. Mm -hmm. And that person is responsible for those. Right. So you are assigned a set of bills. You're assigned a set of bills. And those are your bills to pay. And that's that's great. That's another way to do it. That's another way to do it. Right. There's no one way. There's no one way. But as long as there's an agreement on the way that it needs to be done, such that no one feels taken advantage of. Oh, that's on the next thing. Right. So that nobody feels taken advantage of, then it works. Like you said, they this couple doesn't have a joint account. Right. They each have their personal accounts. Their money goes to their personal account and they're responsible for their set of the bills. Right. The other person is responsible for their set of the bills. And they've so been doing it for, for 2,000 years. We've known them. They were married, what, four years before us? Probably. Four or five years before us? Yeah. And they've been doing it ever since. Doing it ever since. Doing it ever since. I've known them to do that. So. Yeah. But um, leading into the next thing that you just said mm-hmm. about where one, if this is what you're going to do, um, you want to be able to manage your money so that, or have the communication of how you're going to manage your money so that one um partner doesn't feel resentful if the other person isn't right so the second point here says resentment if one partner feels like they are constantly making financial sacrifices to accommodate Mm -hmm. the other spending habits or lack of uh, financial responsibility they may feel or begin to feel resentful this can lead to a breakdown in communication and emotional distance between partners. I think we need to um, unpack that one. For we a need bit. to unpack that one for a bit. So I'm going to start. Okay. I'm going to start with that one. Mm-hmm. If you're financially, if we have to pay bills, right? We live in a society that. We have to pay bills. Right. Our parents had to pay bills. Right. My parents were a two-income family. And, and this that was, was in back the then. 60s and coming forward. Right. Okay. My parents, my mom was a teacher and my dad was a minister. And they had four kids. My dad, my siblings went to a combination of both public school and private school. Mm-hmm. This is where that 60-40 rule was set up. There were times when it was time to get back, go back to school. And let's say, you know, that takes money, right? Mm-hmm. So you have uniforms. Right. You have to get um, supplies. Mm-hmm. You've got to get um, whatever... Um, payments that needed to be made for our clubs right. for sports clubs or or our debate clubs or whatever we needed kids so that would kind of tax mm-hmm. the household the, the household account right that came out of the household not out of, out of the individual so then okay. now you put if this is your stable your stable point mm-hmm. now you're adding this other stuff on right so there were times when i remember my dad would say okay especially i think especially around if i remember correctly especially like when we were going back to school mm-hmm. they both got involved because they, you realize this is a surge point yes and there may be times when 
Yes, we have a 60-40 rule, but now it's time for us to flex. So during this period, it might be 70-30 because we have some additional bills to pay that are periodic. They're not normal monthly bills. Correct. So we have to somehow address that. Correct. So either he would either take us, usually it was mom, and he would give mom, say, okay, if this is what they need for supplies, I'm giving this amount. You go ahead and get them what they need, their pencils, their books, their textbooks, whatever they need. Um, I think mom took care of like my brother and I because we were younger. Mm -hmm. And then my dad kind of took care of my older siblings, Mm -hmm. sisters, because they were in college. So he made sure they had all their college stuff and their this Mm -hmm. and their that and all whatever they needed. Mm -hmm. That seems to be the breakdown that I remember because I remember going into the bookstore. That was an exciting time of the year for me. Both parents would flex. Right. And they would flex out of their personal. Right. Because that's where it was going to come from. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, well, I'll pay for this group and you pay for that group. Mm-hmm. Now, what happens when you have one partner who is doing all of that? Let's just break this down. So l- let's okay. look at you and me. Okay. I'm a nurse. Mm-hmm. And you're a graphic designer. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten, I'm going to make more than you. Always. On a, on an average day. Mm-hmm. But I say to you, you're paying everything. You're the man. You're supposed to pay for everything. Yeah. I need you to pay for that. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that we both agreed on the lifestyle that we now have. Yes. We live in the house we live in. We drive the cars that we drive. Our kids go to the schools where they go to school. Mm-hmm. We shop at Wegmans instead of Aldi's. Well, we shop at Aldi's. Well, we do, but <laughs> for the sake of the discussion. <laughs> we choose. Aldi's got good food. I don't know what's wrong with that. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is there are people who are brand chasers. Well, yes, that's true. So I only shop at Whole Foods. I only go to Trader Joe's. I only go to the to the fancy stores. Right. It's it's a it's beneath me to go to the discount stores where I might be able to save a dollar. Okay. So we have this lifestyle that we have both agreed on, mm-hmm. but it only relies, but it all falls on me to support it. Okay. So with, with the knowledge. Yes. Sorry to interrupt. That I make less than you. So now let's let me see if I can unpack that. So now you're paying everything, mm-hmm. right? Right. So you're managing according to my parents' plan. You're manage your money is now the sixty percent. It's no longer a sixty percent. It's a mm-hmm. hundred in and a and nothing. Right. It's not okay. it's not sixty forty. It's not sixty forty. It's a hundred of mine and zero of and yours. Zero of mine. Right. Okay. But everything in the household mm-hmm. that you have to manage mm-hmm. now is uh more than that hundred percent right. that you get. I'm short. You're short. I'm short. So I wanna know. From your honest perspective, if mm-hmm. I don't, am I responsible for helping you with that? See, I know we are supposed to be real with this conversation, but I had to catch myself because I almost cussed. 
You better believe I'm going to have something to say. You better believe Why? I'm going to have Why? be in my feelings. Why? Why? Because Why can't you take care of it? Because I'm not the only one living here. And because there are certain realities to our lives. What is the reality to my life? Why can't you do it? The reality is I don't make what you make. We are a two-family, a two-income household. We have always been a two-income household. Okay. We have built a life that requires two incomes. Now, if I made 100 grand a month, we're having a different discussion now. If I made 100,000 a month and you made 30 a month, okay, I'm not worried about your money at that point. I got it. Now, what I will say is I got the 30-day bills. No problem. The vacations are on you. You plan and pay for our vacations. But our living is managed. If I'm making 100,000 a month, if whatever I'm doing, whatever we're doing, if I'm able to manage it, I don't have a problem managing it. The problem comes when the life that we have built together requires both of our financial participation. But you decide you don't want to participate. Despite the fact that I go out of my way to maintain the life that you've become accustomed to, I'm going to start to feel like you don't care about me. You're in this for you. And the fact that I'm struggling and suffering does not move you in any way. You are content to watch me suffer as long as your little corner of the world is okay for you. Oh, you better believe there's going to be some animosity. You better believe there's going to be some distance. And the longer that happens, the further the distance to the point where <laughs> your house will be left unto you desolate. Hmm. Well, that, so are you telling me that's considered resentment? Are oh, you resentful? Because, that's resentment because in the extreme. Because you are supposed to be the man and manage the household and manage everything and make sure that I am taken care of the, taken care of the, as the lady in the house, as the wife. But you are telling me that you can't manage without me having to contribute to you. Why do I have to give you anything? Because you're a consumer. You consume in this house just like everybody else who lives consuming? in this house. You're consuming water. You're consuming gas. You're consuming heat and air conditioning. You're consuming internet. You're consuming television. You're consuming food. You are consuming. I buy the food. Okay, fine. You buy the food. How you going to cook it? Ain't no gas because I ran out of money. Stove won't turn on. What you, what you going to do? What are you going to do? But why didn't you ask me? I did. You said no. You said it's up to me. Why don't I figure it out? Okay. All right. How long is a person in that position supposed to deal with that? How reasonable is it if the two have become one flesh? How reasonable is it for the left hand to allow the right hand to wither? That's like going to the gym and only working out one arm. This arm is healthy. This arm is strong because this arm receives all the attention while this arm withers and falls away. That's not balanced. That's not equal. 
and the whole suffers because of that lack of balance. So, yeah, I would have major issues with that. Okay, so so how would you want to resolve that then? What would be a way to approach me? All I can do is ask. You're an adult. You're grown. I can't force you to do what you don't want to do. But what if I don't understand? What if I think that what I'm doing is okay? Well, at some point, remember, we're all adults. Mm -hmm. At some point, we have to be accountable for our actions. If I come to you and say, hey, babe, I have a problem. I'm short. I can't do this by myself. We need to reevaluate how we've been doing things so that we can make sure that the household is taken care of the way it should be. Now, your response will tell me how interested you are in, in the condition of our home. If you say, oh, babe, I got you. No problem. I, w- I didn't know this was the issue. OK, tell me what you need. And to be willing to do it on the long term and say, no, this is the house. This is the way we live. This is the quality of life we have come to expect. This is the dollar figure that is attached to that quality of life. And it needs to be divided between us. Whatever that division is, is fine. If I still say, babe, I, I, I still carry 80 percent. You just give me the other 20 and we're cool. I'm fine with that. If I say, babe. I can do 50%. Can you get the other 50%? You should be okay with that. Yeah, no problem. If you out earn me, it makes sense that wherever the money comes from, and, and the reason I paused is because it's not that whoever makes more should pay more. It should be If we are working together, it doesn't matter where the money came from. As long as it's covered. It all goes into the same pot because it's all for the same purpose. Once it becomes me versus you, mine versus yours, then we are not two. Right. Right. We're you versus me. Right. This is no longer a team effort. Listen, before one of the first, one of the earliest lessons in adulting that I learned was from a lady that I dated back in the day. She said to me, and like I said, we're being real here. Mm -hmm. We weren't, we were dating at the time. And I said to her, I, I was having some issues with something. I think I needed to get my car fixed or whatever. And I went to another friend to borrow the money. And they said, no, I don't have a problem with them saying no, but the reason they gave me for the no was what bothered me. So I'm back home. She's there. And I'm kind of withdrawn because I have this this issue. And she says to me, what's going on? I said, and I kind of laid out the problem. And she said to me, why didn't you come to me? I said, well, you know. She turned off the television. She came and she sat on my lap. She straddled my lap and looked me dead in the face. And she said, so you can share my bed, but not my money. That's a word. I was dumbfounded. Yeah. Because 
it made sense on a, in a way that I had not considered it. Now, yeah, people are probably going to miss the message of course they are. because of the circumstances. Yeah, of course they are. They're always going to miss how the that. message They're came. always going to miss that message instead of instead of looking at, at what is being said. The point was, she said, understand. Money is nothing. Exactly. Money is nothing. Exactly. If you and I are together, money but is nothing. nothing. I want to make sure that you are okay. And if it requires a few dollars to do that, fine. This was something I learned early on. And it's something I never forgot. I never forgot. But too many people attach too much value to their money and not enough value to the well-being of their home and their partner. And with that, well, before you go on, you you mentioned you you raised another point that's important to to highlight. Men are taught that it all falls on them, that they have to make it happen. And while I don't dispute that, there's a flaw in it. There's a flaw in that in that belief. Because what it teaches men, unfortunately, is that they're in it by themselves. No one's coming to their rescue. Now, it happens to be true, but that's because of the way we've been taught. We've been taught that, yes, it is all up to you. But that is also tends to be that also tends to be why men die sooner. Because they expend so much of themselves trying to be all things to all people. Mm -hmm. That nobody comes to their rescue when they need it. The expectation is, but you're the man. You're supposed to handle it. Like we have all the answers. We're human just like you are. We don't always have all the answers. We're trying our best just like our wives, hopefully, are also trying their best. So in a situation like ours, and anybody who is married to a high-earning, any man who's married to a high-earning wife, this is a point of contention, particularly over money. Because in, a, in many instances, a wife who doesn't have the right mindset will lord this over her husband and challenges manhood because she earns more than he earns. It doesn't mean she works harder. It happens to mean she's in a field that pays more. But if, if you're going to, if a wife uses her status, her income as a way to emasculate her man, as a way to devalue him, as, to way to sh as a way to shame him, she only gets one shot at that. She sure does. He she, will never trust sure her again. She sure does. Because he's, she's hitting him where he's weak. Most men... I won't say most men. I will say every man has a, has a level of pride attached to who he is and what he does. If we shame men for what they do, regardless of where they are, whether they're a trash collector, whether they're carpenter, plumber, whatever they are, if we shame them because we think they are less than, you're creating a man that 
will withdraw. He will become the kind of man you don't want to be around. So for a wife, if that's the way you are treating your husband and you're wondering why he's this way or that way, he's is he is he seeking solace in another woman's arms? It wasn't that he necessarily wanted to go there. He's a starving man and somebody offered him food. This is not me justifying that a man may go outside his home. But what I'm saying is a starving man can't walk by a restaurant and not admire the aroma coming out of the restaurant. But if that man's belly is full, if that man's needs are met, there's no room for anyone else. It's just like you never go to a grocery store, honey, hungry. What happens when you go to a grocery store hungry? You buy more than you're supposed to. I'm guilty of that. But that's what I'm saying. We need to understand that there's a burden that is placed on men. Men are extremely aware of the burden that is on them. And it's hard enough to have to ask for help. Wives, please don't make it more difficult than it needs to be. So... But what I don't understand is if you're in tuned, if we're both rowing this boat together mm-hmm. and we're in tuned with each other, if we're looking at finances and we're going to try to stay on that topic, if we're looking at finances and maybe something that, okay, monthly we need to look at all the bills and everybody needs to see what's there. Mm-hmm. And this is what we need to, mm-hmm. what we need to pay, and so everybody contributes. Right. Okay. Maybe that's what you need to do. Um. But if you, if your husband is managing the finances, mm-hmm. you make more than he does. Mm-hmm. It should behoove you that you say to him, "Honey, okay, honey, how much is everything this month? What do mm-hmm. I need to give? Mm-hmm. What do I need to put in?" Or that's just common sense to me. Mm-hmm. I could not personally see you struggling to pay things, making arrangements to pay things. When the money's there. And I've got money in, the, in my hand. The money's there. That's something, uh, you know, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell this story. So back in the 70s, when my parents bought their first home, mm-hmm. And I remember being the youngest and my siblings were all at school. So I got dragged around the whole real estate thing. There ain't nowhere else for me to go, right? I was like six or seven years old. And I remember when they decided on the house where my mom lives now. And it was back in those days, I think it was 40 let's just say 45,000 Jamaican dollars back in the 70s. Big money. Big, hey, big baller. (laughs) And her 40%, she just kept it. Mm -hmm. Kept it. And it went into her little account. But when it came to the down payment, and I discussed it with my sister lately, my older sister lately, and she said, yeah, I remember when they were going to put the down payment on that house and the lady, they only needed to put like 10% down. And my mom said, uh, no, we're not doing that. We're going to put down as much. How much do I need to put down to make sure that at least 30 to 40% of it is taken care of? 
Because then if something happened, she never wanted us to mm-hmm. be flaying mm-hmm. or what, what, what are you, you know, kind of struggling. struggling. And my dad said, okay, Zine, you know, I don't have 20 what you want. She's okay, well, let me just go and see what I have in my little teacher teacher union. They, you know, teachers had their own bank savings and credit union back in the day. And I think she walked out, walked back with like a ten or twenty thousand dollar check and mm-hmm. gave it to my dad. And my dad is looking at her like, what the hell on her the her? she's like, I don't spend money. I don't spend money like that. And this is here. Now, what if she was the kind of person that said, well, this is my money. Mm-hmm. So, Joe, you go figure out how you're going to do that. Mm-hmm. Then Joe would have put 5% down. Right. And, I mean, yeah, they would have finished paying for it. But, but it would have been harder because the mortgage payment is higher. With, and the entire time, the money that's needed was there. Was there. She didn't think twice mm-hmm. about, because it was going to benefit everyone. Right. But, you know... Towards the end of my dad's life, you know, when you get older, you look back on these things and how people, how your partner helped you row that boat mm-hmm. when, when it seems like it was difficult. And, and towards the end of his life, he was so protective of her. As mm-hmm. sick as he was, mm-hmm. he was so, these are the things that people remember. Right. You couldn't, you couldn't um, disturb zine if she came home from school because she taught until she was in her 80s you can disturb her because when she came home the first thing she wanted to do was go to sleep Mm -hmm. and he made sure her dinner was ready Mm -hmm. that the maid had her dinner ready the house was clean as sick as he was there were certain things that he made sure but i look at that now and i look at the appreciation when we were in a rough spot when we were going through it when our kids were coming up we both kind of came together and made sure that things were done. I'm not saying they were perfect Mm because there were things that occurred that, you know, created tension, but they realized that rowing the boat together is more beneficial. Mm -hmm. And financially, that's, that's what you have to do. You have to communicate and make sure that to maintain our lifestyle, how what we want done, everybody has to contribute mm-hmm. in right. some way, shape, or form. Right. So moving from the resentment part, mm-hmm. does that also lead to a lack of trust? Oh yeah, because that tells me you've told me like if if we're going back to the original to the previous example, mm-hmm. if you tell me it's up to you to figure it out, then I can't trust you to be there for me. You've just told me you're not there for me. I have to figure it out myself. I can't rely on you. So most certainly I don't trust you. So that means that you're not, you are not important as a, uh, to me. Right. My money is more important, important to me, to me than, than you are. Oh, that's deep. That's deep. So let's go back to the example that I gave. The young lady I was dating told me at the time, my money, that money is meaningless. I've given you, you know, so much more than that. And that's just money. That's just money. This is what's important. You are what is important to me. Your your happiness, your security, your contentment, that's what's important to me. Wow. 
But if you tell me when I know you have the money, nah, you figure that out. But I, I don't see why I have to do it. You don't see why you have to do it. With that $1,500 iPhone in your hand. With the highest speed internet. With the money that we spend on gas and electric and cable and mortgage and car insurance and car payments. You don't see why you have to contribute, even though you benefit from all of it. Now, as I said, if I happen to earn enough where all of this is fine, okay, no problem. Particularly if I have enough where I've got money left over and I can still take care of my personal needs and there's enough left over and we can save and we can invest and we can do all of these things. Oh, well, then God has blessed us. I'm okay with that. But that still doesn't necessarily mean that if something happens, that your money is off limits. What happens if my business fails or if I lose my job? Because that's actually either the second or third. Correct. Uh, um, highest cause of divorce. Right. If the husband loses his job, it's exponentially increases the chances that his wife will leave him. Right. So if I happen to have it all, I'm balling. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And then all of a sudden, I'm no longer able to provide that lifestyle. Let's say we got a downsize now. So what happens? But I know you have the money because you haven't had to pay anything in years. So the money is there. But you don't. You know what? Here's the other thing. Even with the 60-40, the 70-30, however you do it, the three accounts, I believe it is important that everyone knows every penny that comes into the house. That's a, that's another interesting thing. You should know what I'm bringing in. I should know what you're, you're bringing, bringing in. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Why? Because otherwise we're keeping secrets from each other. Yeah, in fact, it talks about that. Hiding, hiding money. Yeah. It talks about that. That's lack of trust. Financial incompatibility can also erode trust in a marriage. Mm -hmm. Okay. If one partner is dishonest about their spending habits or hides debts or, or it can lead to the breakdown of trust and further conflict. Mm -hmm. Okay. Absolutely. So if, if you, if I don't know what you make, that's a problem. So again, we share a bed. We share our bodies with each other. You're willing to give me your body, but not your money? That means you have another spouse. You're married to your money first. I'm your side piece. I'm your hope. Because your money is more important to you than I am. That's right. I'm your hope. I'm your whore. That I, I am there to satisfy to your satisfy needs. satisfy your needs. Your money is there, is the, what you have your emotional, emotional connection, connection with. with. Yes. I am just there to satisfy your, your physical need, right. to make sure the heat is on, to make sure your belly is full, to make sure your, your urges are met or satisfied. That's, and that's the, to have security. Right. That's you, the purpose I serve. Right. So. Because I'm not a priority. 
I'm your money is your priority. Your money is so your then priority. That that leads to a lot of lack of trust. That leads to resentment. Absolutely. And therefore, you you cannot be surprised. Mm-hmm. I cannot be surprised if you come up to me and say, you know, what, I'm done. Right. Well, why are you done? What do you mean, why? Because I have nothing left to give. And on that note, let's move on to the next thing. So. Okay, looks like you wish to stay on that note. No, no, no. We can keep going. Next topic. Um, different priorities. Mm-hmm. Financial incompatibility can also stem from the differences in priorities. Right. All right. So some of those differences are whether you, if, if you have somebody that's a planner and then somebody that's more impulsive. Mm-hmm. So how do we, how do we come to a mutual agreement where both sides are, both sides are satisfied, but everything is taken care of? Okay, that's on. where the communication comes in. Well, you you've done contract law. Yeah. What do you do? You drop a contract. No, but I mean, whatever you do has to be mutually to beneficial to both, both parties. Correct. It has to be a win-win. Yes, it does. Fine. I understand you have your ideas. I have my ideas. But this is the thing that needs to be accomplished. How do we accomplish this thing and both feel like our needs have been met. So then, yes. How do we negotiate that? Right. That's the term. Right. It's negotiation. You have to negotiate. You got to negotiate that. So and you have to negotiate in good faith. In good faith. You have to negotiate in good faith. Yes, you do. So what are some of the things that you'd have to do? Well, first, you let's have talk to about ag- us. So let's put okay. Let's put our experience out there. Okay. Let's give us give an example. So, I'm not much of a spendthrift right i don't really like unless it's food i don't know if it's coming my right okay or if it's something that i have an interest in mm-hmm. so right well, if I'll, it happens to be a hobby if it's fish if yeah. it's if it's fish if it's scrapbooking oh yeah if it's painting if it's painting if it's yeah. gardening gardening right. yes i'm i'm going to right. look up those kind of things um that's where my passions are mm-hmm. for you if it's anything to do with woodworking if it's anything about my shop anything about your shop for camera gear camera gear what else yeah Um, audio stuff yeah okay yeah so i will impulse golf well yes golf gear yes that's very important yes golf is important yeah that's that's (laughs) important and i'm i'm not i'm not going to be one to balk at that right if that's what makes you happy then boom do do it so, as an impulsive, that's where I think the 60-40, 70-30 split. Mm-hmm. Because then, if you have your own money, mm-hmm. your own 30%, I have my own 30%. If there's some, if you save your money, let's say you save your money over three months and you want to get something new with your golf or mm-hmm. some audio stuff or some new um, um, tools, big tools or, or something. Right. You buy it out of your money. Right. Now, if it's something big and you say, you know, honey, I see that I see this. I would really like it for the shop or I'd really like this or that. And 
we both look at our finances and say, you know what, we might not be able to do it this month, mm-hmm. but we can do it next month. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we both sign off on it. It's not going to affect the thing, but it's a little, it's more than what you have in your personal. Then, so, then why can't we not agree that, okay, you can, you can have that. Or if I want, um, new scrapbooking equipment, mm-hmm. or if I want to go to a garden store mm-hmm. and pick up X, Y, and Z, or something. Well, let's let's so, so let let's discuss that. Let's flush that out. Well, a let's bit let's more. let's change that up just a little bit. What if? Because the, the example was if we have different opinions on what should be a priority. Right. So then, how do you determine which priority to go for? Okay. So here's an example. One partner believes in saving for the future, and the other one believes in spending now. Okay. Those are diametrically opposed because one is immediate gratification. One is delayed gratification. Right. So isn't there a way that we can do both? Isn't there a way that we can say, okay, I understand how you feel. Mm -hmm. Or, okay, I'm going to be the one that wants to spend money now. Okay. You want to plan for the future. So make, make your argument for spending now. Well, why can't we get... Why can't we get this car now? Why we need it? The family needs it. Blah blah blah. blah. Why okay. can't we trade in what we have now and get something better? I like this car. I like. Okay. Are the car? Do the cars we have now? Are they giving us problems? Not really, but I just want to upgrade. Okay, they're not breaking down. No. Do we have a car payment? We don't have a car payment. That 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 car is paid off. So that's five hundred dollars a month. We're not spending. Well, that's I think five- I can do some overtime. Yeah, but that's more time that you're taking out of the house. That's more time away from the family. That's really not necessary. That $500 that we are spending on a car, because it's not actually just $500, it's, also, it's going to be probably $650 when you add insurance in. Right. Because the car is not going to be a hoopty. It's going to be a nice car. That's a nice car you want. So the insurance is going to match that. Right. So we're looking at now $650 that we have to spend on a car that's going to devalue when we have a car that works that $650 invested can spit out you know depending on how it's done a significant amount of change let's say we do something really conservative that spits out 8% a year we we can make a little money and if we do that every month that 650 every month for 12 months 24 months, 36 months, that money builds up. That makes more sense to me. Yeah, but then what happens if that person is persistent? What happens if if I'm Yeah, what if I'm persistent? I still want what I want. That goes back to the selfishness. It does. Well then, here's how you do that. Here's my here's my Okay, fine. You still want the car. Here's my recommendation. My recommendation is we do the, the split. Like we like we we continue that where we've got the household account. You got your 40 percent. I've got my 40 percent. You want to buy a new car that comes out of your 40 percent. You can get the car you want. The house is paid for. Actually, I take that back. If you want the car, 
Here's how we get, how you get what you want and how I get what I want. Instead of doing the 60-40, we do 70-30. Your 30% goes towards the car payment. The extra 10% from each of us goes to the long-term investment. So that means 10% of yours and 10% of mine goes toward the long-term investment. The 30% that you keep goes toward... You pay your payment. You make your payment out of that. Now you've got your car and we can save for the future. We can invest and save for the future. Oh, wow. That's, that's, well, in my head, that's reasonable. But right. you might have somebody who says, well, I, well, then what about, I won't have any money that I, um, that I can have for myself. Every choice has consequences. There are trade-offs. <laughs> that's your favorite word. Well, there are consequences. And that's part of the problem that we face. People want to be able to do whatever they want to do without having to deal with the consequences of those choices. You want a car? Fine. Guess what? The consequence of owning that car is there's likely to be a car payment associated with it. There's likely to be an increase in your um, auto insurance. Those are the consequences of your new vehicle. And that also means that the money that you spend, that you divert from your personal money toward that car, that's less money that you have to spend on the other things that you enjoy. But that's your choice. You're entitled to your choice. That's your money to do with as you see fit. But here's what you can't do. It would be problematic for you to come later <laughs> and say, well, I don't have enough money to do X, Y, Z. Well, okay. My recommendation is I know you want to get it now. It may take you a little longer, but continue to save. So instead of having, let's say that car payment is the six fifty, and let's say you had a thousand dollars a month that was going, that was your thirty percent. Let's say a thousand dollars was your thirty percent. You had a thousand dollars a month that you could do whatever you wanted to do. You could save that money, and let's say you wanted to make a five thousand dollar purchase. You could do it in five months, right? Yeah. But now you've got a car payment. That's 650 bucks. That leaves you $350. How long is it going to take you now to save up $350 a month to make that $5,000 purchase? Mm -hmm. I love you, but that's a you problem. That was what you chose. People often ask me, well, don't, well you shouldn't. Uh, I feel sad for that. No, no. The only time I feel bad for somebody is if the situation they're in was beyond their control. control. Yeah. But I can't be in my feelings about a situation you're in if you chose to be there. Chose to be there. Consequences. Consequences. Yeah. If it wasn't a problem for you making the decision, why is the outcome a problem for me? That's what you chose. So back to our priorities. If our priorities are where they're supposed to be, you recognize that, yeah, this is where I am. This is what I chose. And I'm content with whatever the consequences are. If it diverts money from some of the other things I want to do, I'm okay. This is what I want to do. And you're entitled to do that with your money. Hmm. So there are a number of ways to deal with that. That was one example. Right. Right. That was one example, you know, 
fine, you can get your car, but you still have to contribute. So you get what you want, but I also get what I want. Yeah, you, it should not affect the stability of the home. Right, because so, the, 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 the car is a frivolous purchase. That's a now purchase. The saving is a long-term term, goal for a long-term benefit to the family. To the family. Right. Right. It's not like you're saving it for yourself. Right. You're looking at it for the benefit of the family. Right. Not just for the instant gratification. Right. That, oh, I just want a new car. Well, um, as you said, you don't have a, a car payment. You or your bills are stable. You can, that car that you have mm-hmm. does work. Mm-hmm. a few little repairs and it does fine unless it's just falling apart and you know on the road well then you got to do what you got to do. do what you got to do but that's a that's a that's a meaningful household purchase right that makes sense right that's money that comes out of the household budget right if you want a vehicle that is not required okay then that you need to that you pay that right the the household still will invest the household fund will still invest so like i said we we got a car we've paid it off the money that goes that was from the car now goes towards investing unless that car is falling apart okay and lastly Mm -hmm. let's look at stress and anxiety um financial incompatibility can lead to stress and anxiety for both partners if they're unable to work together to manage their finances, they may feel overwhelmed and uncertain about their financial future. Mm-hmm. So, with us, looking at us, has there been a moment of stress and anxiety? And you, you can be honest with this. That, oh, heck yeah. That uh, has caused us to kind of like... Um, worry about our financial future become overwhelmed oh yeah you know because i i remember when when we first started out i was the one that was kind of like the the money keeper oh my gosh yeah because i I sat and watched you there you go try to balance a checkbook this is back when people balance checkbooks balance a checkbook they were yes i do that you tried to chase a penny. I watched you sit yes. for two hours chasing a penny. Yes, yes, yes. No, it was two penny. It was two cents. You went through your checkbook and chased two pennies. I reached in my pocket and threw two pennies across the table. It's like here, two cents. Move on. You were like, no, no. I'm and, and the the sense of accomplishment that you had. Oh, yes. You came and was like, I found them. I found those two pennies. But do you know what? You probably didn't know this, but I was so drained after that. I bet you were. I was like, this is not even worth it. You That was a self-imposed audit. Yeah. I mean, it's like, <laughs> what are you doing to yourself? So, yes, I used to manage the household accounts and stuff because mm-hmm. I felt like since I had, I was more keen on making sure these things were done. Mm-hmm. But I used to get so stressed out over mm-hmm. That even and you weren't a frivolous spender. I mm-hmm. mean, the one time you did, and then it was like, "What? No, we're not doing that." Right. Okay. But it used to just kind of wear me down. Mm-hmm. 
because I had a job that wore me down. Mm-hmm. And then to come and manage my the household mm-hmm. finances that I think I kind of self-imposed on myself. Mm-hmm. I decided I wanted to manage it. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like you said, okay, honey, you do it. And you were right. like, okay, if you want to manage it, manage it. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. Then I think halfway through a man- marriage, I was like, no, I'm not going to do this. Mm-hmm. You take it. <laughs> and I just came and dropped it in your lap. Boom. Mm-hmm. And I went my merry way. But the confidence that I had was that once you started managing it, and then I could see when you would come to me and you would say, honey, um, you got to watch your grocery spending. Or honey, <laughs> <laughs> honey, you have to watch. You, like, we, you can't go grocery shopping every day. You can't go grocery shopping If we run day. out of something, we'll just, we're just out until the next time we well, go shopping. That, you know how long that took me to learn? Yes. Because it, to me, it was like, well, honey, the babies need, Miles needs this, or Raven likes this. The instant we ran out of something, you were back at the I store. I back at the store. And you never pick up the one never, thing never. that you're short on. Because I remember that, oh, yes, we're missing this in the house. Oh, yeah, we're missing that. And then I would come home, and you would, the, you remember our the thing used to kind of click off on your, well, it still does. Yeah. So if you take it, it, it alerts on your phone. Right. Okay, this is how much was spent at right. giants so this was how much was spent right. at you know um safeway or whatever mm-hmm. and my thing was my kids can never be hungry. but this is food this is necessary my kids can never be hungry. yes it's necessary but not right now we got this to do we got and i what was i doing i was buying it out of the household account out so i was de- destabilizing the household the account. household account because which was causing you anxiety but you never used to say it you would just kind of go on and like make okay i'll just make this work and it wasn't until you had your heart attack and you were talking to me and i'm like i did not have a heart attack okay it wasn't a true heart attack it was i had anxiety attacks he had an anxiety attack that feel like heart heart attack and you they had to fly you down to the um oh got the the whole heart cast and everything on the hospital center, they had to fly you in there, and the guy looked at you, the doctor looked at you, and said, like, ain't nothing wrong with him. But anyway, he did your cath, and it was right. clean as a whistle. Everything's negative. Yep, yep, it was negative. It was negative, thank God. But I didn't realize the type of anxiety mm-hmm. over something as simple as food. Mm-hmm. because, And I think I got that from my mom. Because mm-hmm. my mom was like, there's got to be food in my house. Right. But what she would do... Is her 30%. Mm-hmm. That was another part of her thing. She could go spend her 30%. That's right. And I didn't realize that. that's what she was doing. It wasn't the household. It wasn't the household right. stuff. It was her 30%. So mm-hmm. she would go to the grocery store and, and she was like, nope. Um, my babies must have food. Mm-hmm. And especially with me, where I was always this finicky, picky eater, where I just only wanted certain things mm-hmm. peanut butter bread and milk with right. ch- and chocolate milk that was my go-to for i i swear the first 12 years of my life mm-hmm. i didn't want to eat anything else so i had the same thing with my kids mm-hmm. even though that wasn't their requirement that wasn't it their re- was what you remember that's what i remembered so if 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 something ran out and Let's say Raven liked a certain thing and it wasn't there. It's like, oh my goodness, I have to get it because this is all she would eat. 
or you remember how finicky miles was mm-hmm. if he didn't want to eat this or he didn't want to eat that and there was nothing okay well we got to go to the grocery store and i was coming home with what two three <laughs> lord have mercy <laughs> i was <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was breaking the bank mm. and so but what's interesting about that is i'm the reverse and i know you hate this story but when I tried to be picky as a kid and I would come home like from high school, this was in high school, I'd come home and my mother would be cooking something like rice and beans. And I would say to her, Ugh, I don't want rice and beans, but I want something else. She, she stopped, looked at me and said, let me make something clear to you. I cook for my husband. I allow you to eat. Oh, no, that doesn't do it for me. So what that did for me was it made me be a lot less picky. And so I was now on whatever their shopping schedule was. So if I ate something until it was out, guess what? I was short until the next time they went shopping. So that's that's the difference. So here we were talking a minute ago. We were talking about differences in expectations, differences in priority. Right. Yes. So my priorities came from. As a kid, I get on whatever the existing schedule is. You came up in a way that's like, look, we need to adjust the schedule to make sure these kids got the food that I think they need to have. <laughs> so we had to find a way we had to find a way to, to balance, balance that. that. Out. Yes. And the, the way we did that was I'm like, OK, I know you want to shop, but here's what happens. We'll go out and spend over the course of a month anywhere from 800 to to $1,000 on groceries. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. But no, no, no. That's our regular shopping. But then in between, yes. if we run out of this or that, you'll go spend $30 here, $60 there, $70 there, $80 here, $40 there. And then before you realize it, we spent another three, four, five hundred dollars yeah. in between our grocery trips. That and so up. that was like, I, we had we to, to kind of come to right. grips with that. And it's like, babe, here's what's happening. Because then at the end of the month, we'd be like, where'd all our money go? $20 here, $40 there, $30 there. It's all these additional trips Correct. to the grocery store. Correct. So we had to negotiate and be like, I know this is what you want, but let's go to the pantry and see there's tons of food in here. It might not be those things that you would go to the store for, but we're not starving. Our children will not starve. They can wait another week for the next grocery trip, grocery store shopping trip. And you know what was funny? Mm -hmm. As they got older, I realized they couldn't care less. No. If it ran out, it's like, okay, well, we'll just What else is there? Okay, we'll figure something. What it does, it diversified their their palates. It diversified their palates because they had to find something else to eat. It sure did. It sure did. Mm Mm-hmm. So, but that caused you. Yeah, a great deal of, of stress. Of stress. Be- and I'm sorry, Because I was not mindful mm-hmm. of the destabilization of the... Of the household of account. Of the household account. Right. But you wouldn't say anything to me mm-hmm. because you're like, okay, I, I don't want to say anything. But, but then the one time we sat down after, you know... You had your anxiety attack and you um, 
we were talking and then you broke down and you told me and I'm like, honey, why didn't you tell me this? Mm-hmm. I didn't come to you and say, well, this is what I want to do. And, you know, this is a priority to me. It was like, wait a minute, this Negro could have lost his life mm-hmm. or could have had a break breakdown because of something that a situation that I'm creating. Mm-hmm. But it took us a minute to get there. Yeah. Because part of the reason that the anxiety was there was because you were so attached to the way you grew up yeah, and the need for the food yeah. that it was actually a hot button issue. Yeah. So whenever I brought it up, it was a point of contention. And so yeah. uh, for a lot of men, a lot of times women are like, well, why doesn't he talk to me? Why doesn't he open up with me? Because there's some, sometimes men have come to learn they can't share everything with their wives because their wives are not prepared to hear it. And so a lot of men will carry that and they'll try to find a way to make it work. In the meantime, their blood pressure is going up. Their stress levels are going up. Their anxiety levels are going up. Because they've learned when they do try to share something, it's not received well. Yeah. yeah. And every man, I don't care who they are, every man wants peace. He doesn't want arguments. He doesn't want drama. He doesn't want strife. He wants a peaceful home. He doesn't want to go out, have to fight the world, and then come home and fight his wife. That's a that's a miserable existence. Yeah, that's a miserable existence. So if it if it's easier for me to just swallow that and find another way, we'd rather find another way and drive ourselves to exhaustion than to have a contentious conversation with our wives. Well, then that means that as wives and as females, we need to we need to do self-reflection. Mm-hmm. We need to be attuned to our spouses. Mm-hmm. When, when something doesn't seem right, this is not, he's acting out of his character. He's kind of a little bit, whether he's withdrawn or he becomes very, um, uh, you know, some people, they deal with their stress. They withdraw, they go and drink or they go and do things because they're trying to alleviate that mm-hmm. problem. We need to become a little bit more self-aware and self and attuned to what our spouses are going through. Don't you think so? I would agree. Think about it. What happens when you slam your hand in the car door or when you injure your arm and you jam your finger on your left hand? What happens? The right hand immediately goes to the left hand and tries to soothe it. That's what we should be doing. To the each minute other. that left hand is injured, yeah. the right hand immediately comes over and tries to soothe mm-hmm. and tries to, you know, ease the pain. Ease the pain, mitigate that pain. And it's it's the same way it's, it's what's the word? It's involuntary. Right. The minute that pain hits, the involuntary response is for the other hand to go and soothe the source of the pain. We should be the same way in our marriage. Whether it's money, whether it's illness, whatever the issue is, mm-hmm. our goal should be to try to seek, number one, find out if, determine if we are the source of the pain. If we are the source of the pain, we need to address it. Mm-hmm. If we are not the source, we help find the other source. We might not be able to stop the pain, but we can be there to help soothe the pain. 
Right. You're not here by yourself. You're not going through it alone. I'm here with you. And many times that's enough. But if if even that's not there, then here comes the stress, the anxiety, the lack of trust, and all of these things that we just outlined. Resentment. All of that's there. Money is a symptom. Money is a symptom. You mentioned it earlier. The root is selfishness. Yeah. My money is more important, important to me than you are. are. Yeah. My ideas about mo- money are more important to me than you are. Yeah. I'm content to watch you suffer as long as I have my money. <laughs> well, guess what? At some point, that yeah. person's gone yeah. and all you will have is, is your, your money. money, which now you have to spend. Right. Now it's all on you. No, it's all on you. Your house is left to you desolate. Your house is left to you desolate. And, you know, you can have all the money in the world, but your companion is gone. Mm-hmm. Your compatibility is gone. Everything that right. you, the, the the family foundation that you wanted, that right. you strove to to build. Right. Money makes no difference now. Because no. it's gone. And I can tell you, money will not keep you warm at night. Money will not ease your suffering when you're sick. Getting old alone is horrible. That's not a good place to be. Not a good place to be. And unfortunately, that's a hard lesson for people. Too many people learn that the hard way. They learn it only after the fact. So in closing, overall... Financial incompatibility can have a significant impact on your marriage. Oh, clearly, clearly. That's where, and if you cannot come to some kind of agreement, that's where you need to have um, counseling. Absolutely. Goes back. I mean, I believe in counseling. If you don't have the self-awareness and the intellectual curiosity to say, you know what, there's a problem. I don't know what it is, but I'm willing to go figure it out. That's the start. And a lot of times you can find the solutions if you're willing to look for them. Yeah. But if you're not willing to look for them or if you do look and you're unable to find them, then yes, like you said, by all means, find help. Find help. Ask for help. Ask for help from a, um, I think you have to seek out therapists that are objective well they all are objective i should say but i what i mean to say is you should seek out a therapist that whether they they have specialty in like marriage yeah somebody that is marriage is, counseling right somebody that can that deal has, with that that's what i should right. say somebody that has expertise in your area of need right now i'll say not every problem requires therapy no it might just require a different point of view a different perspective right and so as we said in previous shows if you have a valued friend or a valued uh, a couple a mentor couple that you can bounce this stuff off of by all means by you all know means. hey guys how did you guys work out your money issues give us some ideas about how we can you know ask for ask for help but you got to be self-aware to want to get help. Well, yeah. If, if you're not because self-aware. if you just think everything is okay. But all of this presupposes that you are interested in fixing in the problem. In fixing the problem. If you're not interested in fixing well, the problem. none of this matters. This is not for you. Okay. 
This is not for you. So it is essential for couples to communicate openly and honestly about their financial attitudes. Mm. Very, very That's important. Deep. And work together to find a solution that works for both partners. For both partners. Seeking the help of a financial counselor mm-hmm. or a therapist may also be beneficial in managing financial differences in a marriage. So everything that we've just said. Because mm-hmm. we've had financial counselors, which mm-hmm. actually put us on a path. They did. That one lady we had in Orlando. Oh, she was good. Wanda. She was good. She was excellent. And she opened her eyes to a lot of things that we didn't know. Right. And in today's information age. It's easier to access. It is so easy to access. Easy to access. We've learned so much in the last two years Mm -hmm. that has changed. And, And I think something people need to understand. As you mature your financial um your ability to look at finances should mature also it should so there are things that we didn't know mm-hmm. over the last 25 30 years but then someone we've come across this information by just right. you know wanting to learn more right and so you come across you come across things and you tell me you know when you tell me something, I'm one of these. What do I do first? Hmm. Okay, I need to absorb that. Right. Okay, honey, explain that again. Yeah, you need details. Tell me that in the right. Give me the right, and you go over it. Bam. bam. But I recognize how you process. You need to hear it repeatedly. Yes. And you need to hear it in different ways. In different ways, because mm-hmm. once you sh- once you show me, and then I like, wait a minute, are you? S- wait. So you're telling me if we do this, this, this is what. Oh, I'm in. I'm, and what do I do? I sometimes I jump in faster than you do. Right. You, you're like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. No, no, I don't need that. Right. Sounds financially sound to me. Let and, us go. And there are also times when once I explain it and you get it, you're like, oh, just do that. You don't even have to come and ask me about it. If it's that, do it. Exactly, because I trust your judgment. There we go. There we go. Well. If you enjoyed this podcast today or go, regarding money, because money is one of my big things, please like and subscribe to our channel. And we will see you again in the next one. In the next one. <laughs>